0: Welcome to Bible Center Church. And thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We pray the Lord speaks to you as you hear his word today. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. As Pastor Matt mentioned, and those of you who may not know, my name is Matt Garrison. I am the online campus pastor here. And uh, I'm really excited for this opportunity to dig into God's word with you today. And I was thinking back. About the last time that I had this opportunity to speak to you. And believe it or not, it was the last Sunday of 2019. So it was over that holiday weekend, I preached, 2020 hit, and the rest is history. So I'm beginning to think that maybe during that holiday weekend, we have somebody else preach. So I don't, that was a joke. It totally was flat here. That's awesome. Very cool. We're going to have some fun tonight. And so, again, how many of you, um, if you're social media savvy, maybe you have seen some of these memes. We're going to look at some memes here in just a second about if 2020 were something or if 2020 were a person. And so, uh, let's go ahead and roll this. So, if 2020 were a person, this, if you're an Office fan, this is Toby Flanderson, uh, The main character, Michael Scott, despises this guy, and so it's kind of apropos. All right, the next one. For whoever started this game at the beginning of 2020, please finish it quickly. Game of Jumanji, maybe you've seen this. Again, this is a, another If 2020 Were a Person. Go ahead, uh, this is Gary Gerg- Gergich off of Parks and Rec. He's kind of the butt of a lot of jokes on the show. So if you haven't seen it, this is meaningless to you, and I apologize. <laughs> and So this one is one of my favorites of the memes that I have seen. If 2020 Were a Slide... It's going to look like this, kind of the cheese grater. It's all fun and games, and we—here here it is. But here's the thing. As crazy as this year has been, 20 and 2020, God is still in control. And we've been going through the book of Exodus, and what we've been seeing is that God has been faithful to his people. And the truths that we're pulling out, we're seeing that God remains faithful to us as well and in our lives. So... Today, we're going to talk a little bit here. As you see the title, How to Get Noticed in a Noisy World. And what I want you to understand is that this is not really what you might be thinking. Here at Bible Center, it is all about Jesus, and not about us. And you'll see we're having a little fun here with the title in just a second, kind of how it all fits together. But how many of you have ever served someone? Have you ever kind of decided that you were going to be nice and maybe serve somebody? Probably all of us have at one time or another. I decided, uh, probably my sophomore year in high school, it was just kind of a few years ago in 1992, um, and so, did I hear somebody laugh? Like, what? You laughing out there? Okay, so, back in 92, I decided, yeah, the church wanted, that I was attending, wanted some help with the choir. Now, I could hold a tune, and so I thought, well, let me try out. So I try out, and hey, you make it, and I think the bar was way, way low, but anyway, so I, I make it, and so I'm, I'm taking this very seriously. So I show up to all the rehearsals, all the practices, everything's going great. This is around kind of late summer, beginning of the fall, and the Christmas season comes around. And we got this invite to our city's municipal auditorium, so which is a big deal. This is the first time our church had ever been invited to anything out in the public. So our Christmas program was kind of a big deal, and we called it a Cantata, our Christmas program. And so we wanted to really go all out. It was always open to the public, but here we thought, man, In our city's municipal auditorium, man, this is a great opportunity to share the love of Christ with others. And so we decided to do this. And growing up in this church, I've had all, you know, when I was a little boy growing up, different children's programs around Christmas time or the holidays. I ended up with some speaking parts because maybe I was the only one that didn't really care to get up in front of people and and speak. And so they gave me the speaking part. And So because of that, I was on the front row of the choir because I had to walk out and kind of share and then kind of come back and, and kind of sing. So the night of the event comes, and everybody's feeling good. It's festive. Christmas time is one of my favorite times of the year, and man, it is just amazing. It's getting filled up with people we have no no idea who they are. So sure enough, the program starts. It is a full house, and I'm telling you, I don't know what came over me, but I'm on the front row seeing this and the choir behind me is just sounding awesome. I'm kind of harmonizing for maybe the first time in my life. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I you know, I'm trying to tell these people, you know, people listen. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal here. You know, I'm just out there and this is this is going great. And so it's time for my part. So I I'm feeling good. I saunter up to that mic. I'm at the front of the stage and I take this big old deep breath in just I'm getting ready to orate like no man or woman has ever orated in the history of mankind, right? I'm going to, it's going to be amazing. Home run. And I'm getting ready to give this deep breath. And I just happen to catch some movement out of the corner of my eye. Something like this down here. It's bringing back flashbacks. I didn't think it was going to do that. So I'm like this. And I looked out. It's our choir director. And he's going like this. I'm like, what? All this happened in nanoseconds, right? I'm like, what do you mean? No. And I realized, I'm too early. Like, I came out just a little bit too early. So one, again, packed house, I am totally embarrassed in this moment. And so I have this big breath of air in, and so I say, whispering, but just, crud, I wish, I wish I said C-R-U-D. It came out C-R-A-P, all right? Now you think, well, the music was going, the choir was singing, all this kind of stuff. Well, remember when the muni- our city's municipal auditorium, the guys really didn't know what was going on. They had the sheet of what was going to happen when, but they didn't know it was really my time to come out or not, that I was early, so they just cranked that mic up. And so this word goes out, and you got Christmas music behind me playing, and then like, so I'm even more embarrassed. And so I turned back around. And remember, where am I at? The front row, and I kind of sing, it was some like 43 seconds later, I have to go back out and speak. It was like, totally didn't saunter to the front this time. Totally tail between legs, say my part, turn back around, total embarrassing moment. Now, how many of you have ever had an embarrassing moment, something like that? You try to serve somebody, yeah, see, I know I'm not the only one that has done this as well. And so again, my parents have, Instilled in me, I believe, a good work ethic to care for others. And so I love helping people anytime that I can. And again, maybe some of you are like that as well. And so, again, maybe you have served others and maybe it was embarrassing and maybe it's just gone amazingly well and people are so appreciative of you. Maybe some of us, we've had some negative experiences when we serve. Regardless, I think it leaves us with some questions that we're going to talk about tonight is this should we serve others? Should we serve others? Does it make a difference? But what if nobody serves me? What if I become so involved in helping others and others and others and others and I don't take care of my needs? Is somebody gonna serve me? And then what's the point of serving others? Is it really just to give me a pat on the back? Is that really what it is? Or maybe is it just for people to think that I am this good person? Again, does it matter? Maybe what does God say about this? And so tonight we're gonna look into God's word because God created us. He knows how life is done best. And in his word, he knew he would kind of wrestle with some of these questions and some of these thoughts. And so we're going to look at an example, a positive example in Scripture. And one of the things I love about the Bible is it's just real. Sometimes it's raw, and we get, sometimes the, brutal, or the Bible gives us the brutal facts. There's some examples in here of what not to do, and it's just so honest. And so tonight we're going to look at an example of what we could do, and a positive example. And so we come to chapter, chapters, or chapter 17, verses 8 through 16 in the book of Exodus, and we're going to look at a lot of cool stuff, and we're going to see that God is with his people. And now we're going to see how he continues or just begins to use people to accomplish his plan and his purpose while they're serving others. And so if you have a Bible or Bible app, turn with me to Exodus chapter 17. We're going to finish out this last half of the chapter. We'll pick up in verse 8, and it says this. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Verse 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is My Banner. And he said, Because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. And so I believe the next slide here is going to be a map. And so Pastor Matt showed us this last week. And here's something I wanted you to all to see is they were kind of leaving off here. And so, we know, the shortest distance from point A to B is what? It's a straight line. So something kind of like this here, maybe if that's where they needed to go, this was the path. But God knew they weren't going to be able to go that direction because scholars tell us along the path here, were some military outposts, some for Egyptians and some from other cities, that they knew if they faced military um, obstacles, opponents, they couldn't handle it. And so what do they do? They come out and they head south. Almost, They're heading in the opposite direction. But God knows us. He knows his people. And he knew this was the route that they needed to go. Because as we learned in the last couple weeks, in particular last week, What were some of the obstacles or the enemies that they faced up until this point? There were two, hunger and thirst. And what was their reaction to that? They were grumbling. They were complaining. They were saying, we had it better in Egypt. We had water. We had food. But you were slaves. You were in bondage. It wasn't very good. But in the moment, they just got caught up in it and saying, hey, we need to go back to Egypt. Now, imagine if they actually had to fight against a military army with the power of Egypt. I think a lot of them would have hightailed it back to Egypt, said, we're done. We are out of here. And so that's what we're talking about, is that God has a much better plan. And so when we come to verse 8 here, we see that in this part of Exodus, Moses doesn't give us a lot of description about really what happened. He just tells us, hey, the Amalekites came, and they hit us at Rephidim, and he moves on. But if you were to turn over, you don't have to, if you turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 25, Deuteronomy is Moses' farewell address to this nation of Israel, as we'll find as we continue throughout the book of Exodus. He doesn't get to make it into the promised land on, on their journey. And so he's writing them this farewell address. And it says here in Exodus, or excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 17 and 18, Moses says this, "'Never forget what the Amalekites did to you as you came from Egypt.'" They attacked you when you were exhausted and weary, and they struck down those who were straggling behind. They had no fear of God. So we see that these Amalekites actually hit the Israelites where they were the weakest. Those who were straggling behind, scholars believe, who would, have the, who would that group have been? Probably the elderly, women, and children. Because if you have kids, or if you've seen parents out with kids, you know that, Mom or dad wants to get from A to B, and if there's little ones with them, I'm kind of, like, this happened to me the other day. Uh, the family, we're going to see my son play some scrimmage baseball, and I'm just kind of doing my thing, walking, I realize, where's the fam? I look back, oh, there's my wife, and there's Troy. Troy, our four-year-old, is just kind of, he's a, he's a four-year-old boy. Everything catches his attention. He wants to touch everything, do everything, and I'm like, come on, come on, and I start moving, and again, he's not there with me. And so, again, that's why they believe it was, again, the elderly, those who were sick, those who were weak, were behind. And so the Amalekites came and took them out, which is this was an act of cowardice, and they had no fear of God, and it was unprovoked. And so as I was studying this, too, I didn't know that, but I was kind of wondering, well, who is Amalek? Who was these descendants? The Amalekites were this nomad people and if you go back to Genesis chapter 36 and verse 12, we see that in this the Israelites come from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the line. Jacob had a twin brother named Esau. Amalek was Esau's grandson. So essentially, you have like a family skirmish going on. They just attacked some distant relatives. And so what happens next is very crucial. Moses tells Joshua, which again, this is the first time we hear about Joshua. And it's just so matter-of-factly. He says, tell Joshua to go get some men. Joshua, go get some men tomorrow. You're going to take out the Amalekites. Okay? And so Moses, what was he going to do? He was going up on a hill overlooking the battle with the staff of God in his hands. So what was so significant about this staff of God that Moses had? Well, it was just a stick. There was no magical power in this stick. I mean, as we looked before in earlier chapters of Exodus, Moses, I mean, in front of Pharaoh, threw it down. He had to grab it. It became a snake. He picked it up by the tail. It became the staff again. He used the staff, dipped it into the Nile River. The Nile turns into blood. It was no magic in the stick. It was the power of God doing all of that. Last week, Pastor Matt uh, shared with us that he took the, the rod, hit the rock, and what happened? Rivers come gushing out. I say rivers, or just a bunch of water came gushing out. And so this was kind of like a symbol. Scholars believe it was just a symbol for the Israelites to see that God was with them. And as I was studying this too, what was interesting is this is kind of like the first time that the Israelites had to actually do something. As they were coming up out of Egypt, they were pretty much just spectators watching God do all of these plagues and the power of God kind of get them out of bondage from Egypt. Now they're, they're seeing that they're gonna have A part to play in this. So everything is going according to plan. Joshua and his warriors, they're in battle with the Amalekites. Moses takes her and Aaron up with him on the mountain. We're not told why. They just kind of just said that they went with him. And so here's the thing is Moses was had his hands raised with the staff of God. We don't know if it was outstretched like this, or if he kind of was holding the staff like this. As long as that staff was up, the Israelites were winning. When his hands got tired and they started to lower his hands, The Amalekites started winning. And so it was, we're winning. No, we're not. We're winning. No, we're not. And so as long as he, again, held his hands up, they were winning. And here's the thing. He did it. Moses did this as long as he could. But have you ever tried to hold your hands up for a great number of time, for a length of time? It's going to get pretty hard after a while. Your hands are going to get tired. They're going to to start dropping. You're going to to try to pick them back up. And so he kept doing this, again, for hours. He's running out of strength. And again, it was a tough task. Finally, he couldn't do it anymore. He could not lift his arms. And what was going on, the Amalekites were winning. But because Aaron and her were with him, they put it, set him on a stone, and they actually, one was on one side, one was on the other, and they held up his hands, the Israelites defeated them Overwhelmingly. What's interesting about this passage is that up to this point, again, the Israelites, they just needed to sit back and watch God do all of this. But now, for the first time, God is choosing to use people to accomplish his plan, to accomplish his mission. And they had parts to play from Moses holding his hand up, again, from Aaron and her having to hold moses's hands up, to the Israelites with Joshua with swords in hands. In or on the battlefield, they all had a part to play. But God was the one who was doing this. It was God who brought them out of bondage, and now he's going to use them for his plan in the world. Here's one of the things I want us to see before we move on, is that God desires to meet our needs in a dynamic partnership with us. God desires to meet our needs in a dynamic partnership with us, meaning this, that we are neither the effective agents, meaning it's not all about on us, nor are we simply spectators, meaning it's all on you, God. That's not it. It's a God calls us into this fellowship of partnership that God is working in us. And that's what we see here. Again, God working through Moses, Aaron, her, and the Israelites to accomplish his plan. So the rest of our time tonight, we're going to look at these guys, Aaron and her, and their willingness to serve. Because Moses was a big deal. He was leading God's people. And some of them, I would, I would have been in this boat thinking, Moses, you want me to go with you? You don't need me. You and God are like super tight. You don't really need me to do anything. Why would you want me to go? We find out that, again, they would think that Moses is this rock star. He was a superstar, maybe superhuman. We see that, no, he wasn't. That he needed people. And so he needed people to help him. And so this true event that we're looking at, again, tells us something different, that again, Moses was human. He could not do it by himself. In fact, the very next chapter that we're going to get into next week in chapter 18, God uses someone else to come in and influence Moses because Moses needed help. So we all need help. And so we're talking about serving. So now what? What are these truths that we can learn from these guys when it comes to serving like Aaron and Her did? So the first point is this. Why do we serve? Number one is because we were created to serve. We were created to serve. Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works for which God prepared in advance for us to do. That each of us, has a purpose each of us has a plan and if you caught that god has a plan for you that he's already prepared for each and every one of you to do that you are created to serve you're created to serve god you're created to serve others secondly we are crea- uh, when why serve is we are serving god when we serve others We're actually serving God when we serve others. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 tell us this, work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that master you are serving is Christ. And in Matthew, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's telling them, hey, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was in prison, you visited me. I didn't have any clothes and you clothed me. And I say, when did, when did this happen? When did we see you do this? We, we don't remember doing this for you. He says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. So as we are serving others, we're actually serving God. That's one of the reasons why we serve is because God wants us to. We're actually serving him. Remember, the Lord that will give you inheritance as your reward, and the master that you are serving is Christ. Third, it gives my life meaning. Why do we serve? Because it gives my life meaning. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 out of the message says this, With all this going on for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground and don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. That when we serve others, it does give us meaning. Have you ever been around somebody who is really selfish? Now, I'm not saying the occasional kind of, I want things my way, but just all of the time. Has that ever happened to you? Have you been around people like that? I have. And you know what? When I'm around people like that, I don't really want to help them. Because I know whatever I do for them, they're just going to take it, twist it, make it kind of just all about them. And are they going to thank me for what I'm doing? No, because it's all about them. And as one of your pastors, I will confess that there's been times where I could have helped others, that I knew they were selfish, and I didn't. Now, God worked on me and convicted me, and I've asked for forgiveness, and he's forgiven me. But when, it's, when we're all wrapped up about ourselves, man, these are some of the most miserable people, miserable people that I have ever met. When I talk to them, it just everything is negative. It's all selfish. It's all about me, 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 but their outlook is really negative and they don't really have close friends and they're often isolated and they're lonely because nobody wants to be around them. But again, when we serve others, when we begin to think of others better than ourselves, something changes. We begin to have purpose. We begin to have meaning. Fourthly, and this might be a little bit on the Selfish side, but it is what it is. It's in God's word. Number four here is that we will be rewarded for eternity. We will be rewarded for eternity. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, Jesus is giving a discourse to his disciples about essentially the end times. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And so he tells them the kingdom of God is like this a master is going off on a journey, and he gives these three servants some bags of money, and so these bags of money represent kind of talents, the things that God has given us each, the gifts that he's given to each and every one of us, and so when he came back, he was looking, what did you do with what I gave you? Were you faithful to use whatever I gave you to get to advance my kingdom? And so when he came back, the first two servants got the same response from the master. Now, they had different gifts and different abilities. One Actually, he was able to increase, use his gifts to increase the, the bags of money more than the other, but that didn't matter because each were faithful to what God had given them. And so this is the master's response right here. It says, the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. When we serve others, when we are selfless, God will reward us. Now, some scholars believe that Jesus is the, one, the only one that is worthy, and so whatever rewards we get, we're going to take them and kind of throw them at his feet, which is, which is a good thing, <laughs> a really, really good thing. But we'll be rewarded in heaven for it. So let's spend some time right here talking about what are some ways that we can serve God? What are different ways that we can serve God And this is literally, as we get into this, things that I was just kind of thinking. Just like, all right, God, how are some ways that that people serve one another? One is praying. You can pray for others. Praying for someone, letting them know that you're praying for them, is a way that we can serve them. Calling on God, reaching out to God, and letting the brother or sister know that, hey, we are praying for you. Whatever's going on in your life, it's a sickness there's a family issue going on, whatever it might be. Maybe you're, you're, looking, you're having a difficult time at work. We're here to pray for you. That's a way that we can serve each other. What else? Giving. Giving is a way that we serve. How do we give? We can give our time, talent, and treasure. Giving of our time. Sometimes it's just the presence of being. Just being near someone is a way to serve somebody. If maybe you have some, some talents that you can help with others. And again, yes, treasure, giving money to others when they need help is a way that we can serve. Listening. Listening. Sometimes all people want is just a listening ear. They're not wanting somebody to come in and tell them, well, here's your problem, let's fix it. Just want somebody to come in who cares enough about them to listen. And sometimes that is the best way that we can serve others. Is just to listen. What else? Helping. All right. Now, there's a plethora of ways that we can help. but I've jotted down a few here. What is it? Meals. I heard a story today of a couple who is traveling out of state. They have some medical things going on, and so they're going out of state to kind of get things checked out. And before they were leaving, another couple kind of came and brought them some food, some meals for them. To which... I was talking to the one who they were traveling to the hospital. They said, they brought us so much food, it's like enough for a week. I said, that's great. They said, well, not only that, they actually called right before we left and said, do you need anything else? Can we bring you any more food? They're like, no. We have enough already. So again, these are ways that we can serve others. How about sending a card? Sending a note just to encourage somebody. Because let me ask you this question. Can you ever have too much encouragement I know I can't, right? I mean, I think not that it's an ego thing, but nobody wants to be told, man, you're terrible. This is awful. I mean, man, Matt, you online, this whole online pastor thing, nah, not so much, right? I mean, I want to do a good job. I think you want to do a good job in the the vocations in in your life and as students or whatever. You just want to do a good job. And so we need encouragement. So noticing that about people, something positive, and sending them a note can make... Their day, maybe their whole week, maybe their whole year. That's a way that we can serve others. Again, going back up to the talents, maybe you are a handy person. You can take a hammer and a nail, a wrench, a blowtorch, whatever, and you can fabricate whatever. I know some people like this. If you want some woodworking done, do not call me. Do not call me. I will measure twice. Nope, I will measure like four times, cut, and it's still wrong. I don't know why, it just happens. But I have a friend, I have a couple friends who are like woodworkers. It's just a breeze for them. They measure once, cut once. I'm like, dude, that's going to be off. Perfect. Like, how do you? I kind of get jealous. I get envious that I got to pray. God, I'm sorry. I don't, you know, it's okay. But that's a way that we can help. Or maybe you're good with car repair. Now, this is something that I, I kinda, I'm, I'm kind of like a gearhead and I don't know everything. But I have a secret weapon maybe you have it too. It's called YouTube. I YouTube. Anything goes on with my car, man, I am checking YouTube. I type it in to see if I get the same make and model of my car and see how to do this. So several weeks ago, about a month or two ago, I did what I was able. kind of proud of myself. I'm not trying to be bragging, but I changed my AC, air conditioning compressor in my own car. Now, I had some help from my neighbor. He had some of the tools that I needed to do it, but I kind of watched it. I did this thing, and I have air conditioning now in my 2004 Toyota 4Runner, 206,000 miles. And you know what? It's working pretty good. Now, I'm waiting for the day when it's really hot like it has been. I'm like, oh, this is great. Next thing you know, just it blows up on me, and I don't have air because, again, back to my woodworking skills. Maybe I don't have the home repair skills. At any rate, we're going to move on. One that I do want to spend a little time on here is this. a way we can serve others, sharing our faith. Sharing our faith is a way that we can serve others. Why? Because this is the greatest news that we could ever share is that God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. That is part of us, serving others. So what happens when we serve? And this is kind of where we come back, bring it all together to the title of tonight's message, is this: When we begin to really serve others, people will notice. When we serve others, people will notice. And this is how we get noticed in a noisy world. There's something different, because why? In the world, not too many people serve others. There's always like an ulterior motive. Why are you really doing this? They're gonna notice you keep serving others. It's gonna happen, which leads to then, the second point here is that they'll wonder, why are you serving others? Why? John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 tell us, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, your love for others, Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We're beginning to see this with our city ministries and others as as some of you are going out and serving. Letters, emails are coming back to us of people noticing, wondering why are we doing this and saying things like, you all could be sitting up there on that hill, but you're not. You're here with us serving and helping us. Kind of why? What's, What's going on? What are you really about? which then can lead to the third point here is that we could lead to good news or gospel conversations. What do we mean by that? Again, as people are asking, why are you serving? What's going on here? Essentially, as we begin to have conversation with them, we can point them to John 3.16. This is out of the message. It says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why. So that no one need be destroyed But by believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. And this life that they're talking about right here is life here and now, to have the good life here and now on earth and with Jesus in heaven for eternity. So imagine with me for a moment if this were true in our lives, that we were serving others selflessly and all reason why we're doing this is that we can tell the others that Jesus loves them. And imagine people coming up to us and asking us about the reason we serve, the reason we have hope in times such as we're in. Imagine that. Because God wants us to serve others. Again, why? Because as we serve others, we point people to Jesus. And because God loves them, and He wants to have a relationship with them. And finally, imagine with me you being in heaven. Imagine this right now. If you want to close your eyes, you can. But imagine being in heaven, and person after person, they come up to you, and they're saying, because you served God, because you served me, and because we had these conversations, I am in heaven today because of you. And we know that it was God who's drawing that person or these people to himself through us that that can happen, that does happen when we serve others. Would you pray with me? God, as we are ending our time here, Lord, I thank you for giving us this chapter in Exodus to look at the example of Aaron and her and how they gave selflessly Jesus. They didn't have to, they just were there and you used them in mighty ways and you wanna use us in mighty ways as well. So I pray, Lord, help us to see others, help us to serve others. I pray that it would lead us to have conversations about why we serve, and ultimately that as we serve, we point others to you. In your name we pray, amen. At the end of our services, we have three responses. We pray, we give, and we sing. We want, you to, we want to give you some time to be able to reflect back on maybe what God has spoken to you about today. And you can pray right here, you can pray in your home, wherever you're at, you can pray. And we can give in multiple ways, as you've seen on the screen, and that's a way of, again, seeing God's kingdom advance, seeing more people come to faith in God. And we can sing, we can give praise back to God for everything that he has done for us So as the band plays, please feel free to respond to God now. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com or check us out on social media. You can also join us in person for services on Thursday at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m.